All right. Well, welcome to week three of our Identity Crisis series. Thank you for being here if you're in the room. And thank you for joining us online if you're joining us online today as well. I am Austin Simmons. I'm the worship pastor here at the Summit. And so most of the time you see me singing with the awesome band up here, uh, which they are awesome. I try not to compliment them too much because in these scenarios they find out that they don't need me. And I don't know if that's good or not for my job. So, um, but no, I'm excited to get the chance to speak to you guys today, especially about identity. Um, the, the first week of this series was, was awesome. We found out where our identity actually comes from, and that is God, our creator. He created us in his own image. That is the root of our identity. And then we've also unpacked what it looks like to really live in our identity in Christ as followers of Jesus. Pastor Ike unpacked a lot of that um, last week and just how to be secure in our identity in Christ. And what I wanna focus on this week is not just how to be secure in that identity, but it's how to stay secure in that identity. Because you can be extremely secure in who you are, but that doesn't mean that you're never going to be put into a scenario where you have to defend that, where maybe somebody speaks into who you are from the outside. Maybe they share an opinion about you, and then maybe you even begin to question your identity as well. So you can be very secure and still have to protect yourself and your life against identity theft. I know that personally uh, because me and my wife experienced um, not spiritual or uh, anything like that, but actual real identity theft. I don't know if anybody in here or online has experienced something like that where somebody pretends that they are you, whether that's with your bank account or a debit card or anything like that. But me and my wife experienced this uh, a few years ago where we got this very uh, fancy letter in the mail from an organization called the IRS. <laughs> and what they said in that letter was, you have not claimed or paid taxes on $30,000 worth of income this year. And so for me, uh, my first thought was, man, it would have been nice to see that money if it is in fact mine. <laughs> the other thought was, and because this, this letter was actually addressed to my wife, my other thought was, my wife has a lot of explaining to do <laughs> if she earned this money. So what we found out after we did some digging um, was that someone had been working under my wife's identity at a greenhouse in Brown Summit. And it was not my wife. Um, I've actually never seen her plant anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> she's right there. So I, uh, I knew, I knew that wasn't her. And she, she knew it wasn't me either because she is, she's also seen my gardening skills. We built a house uh, about two years ago and I've probably uh, replanted at least all the bushes and trees once or twice because uh, I killed them, so. Uh, we knew, okay, this, this is not us, this can't be. And, you know, we found out it was somebody else. But, you know, what if, what if we had made 
the crazy decision to believe that letter from the IRS. You know, well, look, the IRS is a government organization. They took the time to send this letter and to do the research and to catch the fact that we had not paid taxes on $30,000 worth of income. So if they spent all of this time, energy, and effort on letting us know this information, well, it must be true, right? It must be true. So what if I had decided, okay, well, you know what? Um, number one, I'm embarrassed. I need to call my boss at the greenhouse and apologize for not showing up to work for a single day over this past year. Uh, and then also, maybe we put our house on the market because we, we need to move closer to Brown Summit. I buy all kinds of awesome gardening tools uh, and begin to learn the trade so that I can embrace my identity of this gardener because this is who the IRS said that I was. Well, of course we did not do that because that's not who we were. But there are so many times in life where me or you, we allow somebody else to share some information with us or to speak into our lives, what they think about us, who they think we are. And even being secure in our identity, it causes us to doubt that for just one second, to doubt who we are, to reconsider who we are. Well, maybe, maybe this is true about me. I, I, I thought that I was this person, or I thought that I was, I was this way, but maybe, maybe I'm not. Maybe I was wrong. And we experience a form of identity theft in our lives that doesn't just affect our bank account, but it really affects who we are our identity as uh, someone created by God, our identity in Christ, who God says that we are, we begin to question that. And that's the tool and the tricks that Satan uses in our lives to steal an identity that we were so secure in before this happened. And here's how this begins to facilitate in our minds, into this negative thinking pattern, this trap that we can fall into. Here's how that begins in these conversations when people are speaking into our lives. Well, first, he or she thinks something about us, right? And because he or she thinks this about us, well, well everyone must think this about us. And if everyone thinks this about me, then it must be true. So now I think this about myself as well. So let me break this down. I don't know how many people in here would consider yourself to be a good cook. Maybe you cook for your family or things like that. But imagine, imagine if I had spent hours um, slaving over a delicious meal for my family, just awaiting the beautiful smiles and the full bellies and the clean plates that will result in this masterpiece of a meal in front of me. And then we sit down at the dinner table, and instead, I see my whole family doing this move where you just kind of spread things around to look like you've eaten more than you've actually eaten. Or you catch the kids doing the number where they're like sneaking food underneath the table for the dog, or like, oh no, I knocked this off my plate, and the dog has to eat it now, <laughs> right? Number one, that would never happen because my kids won't eat anything that we cook. 
they will go to someone else's house and eat a meal, and I will cook them the same thing, and they will look at mine and go, I don't like that. Unless it's chicken nuggets or macaroni and cheese. They will eat that all day long. So imagine I've cooked this dinner, and it is not chicken nuggets or mac and cheese, and I see my wife kind of poking around on her plate. She's not eating anything. The kids aren't eating anything. And so I say, well, she thinks this meal is gross. She thinks, she thinks I'm a bad cook. My kids think I'm a bad cook. And if my own family, my flesh and blood, the person who's supposed to love me unconditionally, <laughs> if she doesn't like my food, well, everyone must think I'm a bad cook. Everyone must hate my food. And if everyone hates my food, now I think maybe I'm a bad cook. I, I'm, I must be a bad cook. That, that must be true about me. You know, or it can go, it can go a little deeper. Maybe, maybe you have had your eye on a certain someone for a while. And you get the chance to go on a first date. And you sit down and you have just envisioned that this is about to be the love of your life. And you have the most boring conversation you've ever had. And it's awkward and they don't know what to say because they don't know what to say. Now I don't know what to say. And this just goes downhill really fast. And so we say to ourselves, well, this did not go as planned. So... He or she must think that I'm, I'm boring. Or maybe they think I'm, I'm unattractive. Maybe I wasn't what they were looking for. And if they feel that way, I wonder if everyone feels that way. Oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm ever gonna be able to find a date again. I'm destined to be single for the rest of my life because if he or she thinks that, everybody must think that. I must be unlovable. I must be undateable. I must be boring. I must be unattractive. We make all of these types of assumptions about ourselves, not based on who we are, really, but based on just this negative mindset that we can fall into that affects the security of our identity. And look, Solomon um, from the Bible, he wrote this book called Proverbs, and the Bible actually refers to him as the wisest man ever. So if you're going to take advice from somebody, I would say we should take advice from Solomon. So he put this book of Proverbs together, and he named the book Proverbs, and we're going to read one of those. Here's what Solomon has to say to us. He says, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else. Now look, in ancient um, text, like the Bible, the word um, heart, it, you, can, you can interchange that or replace that for the word mind or your way of thinking, kind of who you are, your innermost, the innermost essence of who you are. That, that is heart, mind. And so Solomon is saying here, guard your mind, guard the way you think. Guard yourself from this negative way of thinking above all else, because that determines the course of your life. That determines who you say you are. That determines the decisions that you would make in your life. It determines the course 
of your life. And look, when you guard something, you are putting up some type of line of defense or barrier or filter around what you're guarding that, that um, affects what's coming in and what's going out. What's coming in and what's going out. Think of it if you put a fence up in your, in your backyard, right? Like there is a gate right there and nothing can come in unless that gate's open. Nothing can go out unless that gate's open. That is a barrier to guard your backyard. And so we have to figure out how do we guard the way we think How do we guard what is coming into our minds and what's leaving our minds? How do we guard this above all else so that we can not just protect the way we're thinking, we can protect the course of our lives? Well, I wanna talk through a filter that we can use that is maybe not the perfect tool, but it is a tool to help us process things when we fall into this negative thinking trap of he or she thinks, so everybody must think, so now I think. When we fall into that and our identity is in question, our identity is in jeopardy, these are some things that we can do to distinguish between what's true and what's untrue and then figure out how we respond to those things in our life. Okay, so take this for example. We talked about being a bad cook. So if I felt like I'm a bad cook, I always felt like I was a good cook, but, but you know, this happened. My family didn't like the dinner. I bet, oh, everybody doesn't like the dinner. So now I feel like I am a bad cook. I really need to figure out first, is this, is this really true or untrue about me? So first I've got to acknowledge what I'm feeling and ask the question, okay, why do I feel this way? Why do I feel like I'm a bad cook? Well, I feel like I'm a bad cook because my totally ungrateful family didn't like the meal that I cooked, right? That's why I feel like I'm a bad cook. So first, we have to acknowledge it. Whether, whether it's true about us or untrue, we don't know yet. We're just acknowledging the real reason right now why we feel the way that we feel. And so the next thing we've got to do that really starts digging into whether it's true or untrue is we have to question that. Okay, I feel this way because of this. Now, is this true about me? So now we're really getting into, is this true about me or not? And now look, if you are even asking these questions to begin with right now, you are not the person to answer, is this true about me? Because we're trying to figure that out ourselves. So where do we go? Where do we look? Well, first, we look in God's word. That is one of the best ways that he can speak to us. And we already know that our our true identity comes from our creator, God. He created us in his own image. And so if anybody's gonna speak to what's true or what's not true about me, I wanna hear what God has to say about it first, so I'm gonna look in his word. Well, lucky me, I have never found a scripture that tells me if I'm a good or a bad cook, all right? If you find it, Facebook me or email me because I haven't found it yet. So we say, okay, well, God's word doesn't really say anything about this scenario. Maybe it says something about others, but I I, I can't really find my answer about this here. 
So your next step is to find people around you that care about you and will be 100% honest with you. If you want a 100% honest answer and you have a child that's four and under, (laughs) feel free to ask them because they will tell you the truth. Or if you have a spouse, your spouse should be someone who cares about you enough to be honest with you. You may not like that when your spouse is honest with you. Sometimes I don't like it when my spouse is honest with me, and that is no surprise to her either. She's like, I know, I know. You need to be better about that. But look, this is constructive criticism. This is feedback that we might feel like is a little negative, but is needed in our lives sometimes. So this may not feel very good. It might not feel good for me to say, am I a bad cook? And someone who cares about me say, yes, you are a terrible cook. And the only reason, honestly, I've eaten anything you've made is because I was either A, famished, or B, (laughs) your wife. (laughs) That's hard. That's hard to hear sometimes when someone who cares about us, we say, is this, I feel a certain way about myself. Is this true? And maybe it's something negative. And they say yes. And sometimes the opposite happens too. I may have asked my wife, hey, do you think I'm a bad cook? She said, no, you know, I had, a, I had a meeting at work and food was catered in and I just wasn't hungry, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. So I tried to push my food around on the plate so it looked like I ate, which I know. But, you know, I, I, you're a great cook. I love, I love it when you cook. And so either one of these things can happen. So when someone tells us something is true about us, here's our responsibility is to change it. It's to change, okay? And I know easier said than done, but listen, if my wife had said, look, you are a bad cook, that is true about you, I care about you, but this is true and you need to know that, then I can do one of two things. I can never cook again and I can fix the problem. I can change the fact that I'm a bad cook by stopping or I can take some cooking lessons. Maybe I wanna get better at it. Maybe I wanna be a good cook and so I can change that about myself that way too. Now here's, here is another thing that we struggle with. If it's untrue, if we have acknowledged how we're feeling, we've, we've questioned and we say, okay, well, why do I feel this way? Is this true about me? And we look in God's word and we consult people that are close to us and care about us and will be honest with us. And they say, that's not true about you. No, you're not a bad cook. I love, I love your cooking. I love your cooking. Don't stop cooking right, and that is untrue about us, then we have to dismiss that information. We have to let it go because it's not true about us. I have to understand, okay, I thought this. I questioned my identity, but I can see now that this is not true. Let's go back to the dating thing. So you say, okay, I feel like I'm destined to be single for the rest of my life. Well, why? Why do, you, why do you feel that way? Let's acknowledge it. Why do we feel this way? Well, because 
this first date went wrong. It just wasn't what I expected. Okay? Well, let's take that information. Let's say, is this true? Is this true about me? I'm, I'm unlovable. Nobody's ever going to love me. Well, what does God's word say about it? Well, God's word tells us the opposite. God's word says that God loved the whole world, and so much so that Jesus came and gave his life for us. He gave everything for us. We sang about God's love today. Like, of course you are loved. You are lovable. So God's word has already said, this, that is not true about you. It is not true. And because that's not true, you dismiss that. You dismiss it about yourself. And if you have anybody in your life that's telling you you're unlovable, it might be time to just cut them out. That is not the person close to you that cares about you, and we'll be honest. Don't ask those people anything about this. So look, this is a filter to where when someone speaks into our lives, we can determine, is this true about me or is this not true about me? We can guard our identity, our minds, the way we think. Because here's how it determines the course of your life. If you find out that something is true about yourself that you need to change, and you're either never aware of it or you don't change that about yourself at all and you just go on with your life, that is a poor life decision and that is going to determine the course of your life, just like we read from Solomon and Proverbs. And if there is something that is untrue about yourself, like the letter we got from the IRS saying, this is you, that was untrue about me, if I did not dismiss that lie in my life and I began to make decisions for my life based on that, based on something that's not true, that also determines the course of my life. And this is what Solomon was talking about. This is why it's so important for us to guard the way we think because it determines the kind of decisions that we make that affect our lives. And now here's a, a second group of people that I want to speak to because you have, have kind of taken most of what I've said so far, and even though it's, it's true, you've, you've dismissed it. And here's why. Because you're like, hey, I've been this way, how I am, who I am my whole life for, for 20, for 50, for 70 years. I know who I am. I'm secure in my identity. I'm not going to let anyone speak into my life and make me question who I am. I am who I am, and nothing and nobody's going to change that. And if you think you can, you can just get out of here. That's not the best way to think either. And here's why. Because just as dangerous of a thing as it is to let a stranger or even somebody close to you that maybe you find out doesn't care that much about you, speak into your identity, speak negatively into who you are, making you question your security and who you are or who you are in Christ, just as dangerous as that is, 
it's just as bad for you to be the only person speaking into your life. And here's why. Because you're the worst person you know. Look, I'm not the first person to say that. I don't think I'm the first person to say that from this stage. But here's what I mean by that. There are people in your life, and, and maybe you can picture someone right now that if I said, well, who's the worst person you know? You, you, there, there may be someone that comes to mind. If it's me, think of somebody else. <laughs> who's the worst person you know? Well, guess what? You still don't know every person they've wronged, every mistake they've made, every lie they've ever told, every fear they've ever had. You still don't know how to push every single button that makes them mad or causes them to feel anxiety. But guess who you do know that about? You. You know that about yourself. I know that about myself. And so if I am the only one speaking into my life, and I am the worst person that I know, that means I'm only allowing the worst person possible to speak into my own life and my own identity. You would never encounter someone on the street that would walk right up to you, maybe you've never met them, and they say, hey, I know you don't know me, but you look real fat in that shirt. You didn't see that coming. <laughs> look, I know you don't know me, but are you trying to look like you got dressed out of a trash can today? I know, I know we're not even friends, but you know that job you're about to interview for? You're not qualified. So maybe you shouldn't show up. You know all those things that you hated about your parents? Well, look in the mirror, buddy. <laughs> You're your dad. You're your mom. Nobody would say those things to you, but you would say those things to you. You would look in the mirror and you would say, mm, you look real, real fat in that shirt. <clears throat> you would look in the mirror and you would say, hey, uh, you probably shouldn't show up for that interview today. I don't think you're qualified. You would say those things to you. So here is my challenge to the person who is stuck in their identity or stuck in that negative mindset about yourself and you're the cause of it. Use this filter. Use the same one. It doesn't have to only deal with someone speaking into your life from the outside. This can be applied to you speaking into your own life from the inside. So regardless of who said it, when you feel that your identity is in jeopardy, when you feel like you are becoming or you are someone that you are not or that you should not be, or that God's word, it doesn't match up with what God says about me. This can't be who I am. When the security of your identity is in question or in jeopardy, say, why do I feel, why do, first off, why do I even feel this way? Just acknowledge it. Why do I even feel this way? Question it. Is this true about me? First, look in God's word. Is, it, is this what God says is true about me? Look to people around you. 
that care about you and will be honest with you. And here's the thing, if you don't have those people around you, because look, if, you, if you've been in this mindset of this is how I am and nobody's gonna change me, and if you think I'm rude, well, you can't handle the truth either. If that is the mindset that you are in, you may not have people around you that care so much for you that they have your best interest in mind and they'll even be honest with you. Maybe they're tired of being honest with you and that's why they're not around anymore. If you don't have those people, we have those people. We have an amazing life care team that you can find on the patio every single Sunday. If you're watching online, you can email in, you can chat in, you can get help with this filter if you don't have the people around you that can help you with that and that can walk beside of you when you're trying to change something about yourself that may be hard to change. Or when you need confidence and reassurance to dismiss something about you, that is not true. And you may say, these, this is so hard to, to change about myself. I don't even know how to take these steps forward. Well, maybe you've been going about it the wrong way. Because Paul says in Romans, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Hey, stop, stop trying what everybody else has been trying. Stop trying to do the same thing that you've been trying to do on your own. But let God transform you into a new person let God help with these changes by changing the way you think. Guard your heart, your mind, the way you think above all else, for it determines the course of your life. And look, as we change the way we think, as we focus on asking hard questions, why do I feel this way? Is this true about me? As we begin doing this, I believe we will begin experiencing God transforming our lives. We will experience taking steps closer to being that person that he's created us to be. We will begin to feel stronger in who we are so that when we get a letter from the IRS, we can say, that's not me. That's not me. If it's a real letter from the IRS, you need to address it. <laughs> When someone speaks into our life and questions who we say we are, who we think we are, and above all, who, who we are in Christ or who God says we are, we don't have to immediately believe that. We can ask some tough questions. We can allow God to transform us and maybe get us back to where we need to be by changing the way we think, because remember, just like Solomon said in Proverbs, guard your heart, guard your mind, guard the way you think above all else, for it determines the course of your life. We have to guard our minds. We have to change the way we think. I hope this has been helpful for you guys this morning and watching online as well. I'm going to pray for us, and then I've got one thing to share before we go. God, thank you so much for first creating us in your image so that we can have an undeniable security in who we are. And then going a step further and Jesus giving his life for us so that we might experience a new life 
in Christ and grace and freedom and everything that comes along with that. Thank you. But God, in our weakness, as we allow people to speak into our lives and our identity, God, give us wisdom, give us patience, give us the courage to ask difficult questions and get to the bottom of why we're feeling a certain way. God, would you give us confidence to just dismiss what's untrue about us, but give us strength and courage to change the things that we need to change about ourselves as well. Thank you, God, for who you are and for your wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.